Welcome to Let's Get Lit, the book club podcast with a twist. Are we calling it the book club podcast? I don't know. Are we? I don't know. I keep saying some combination of words in the beginning of this. I feel like at some point we should look back and see what we call it every week. We because call it something like a book club podcast with a twist, but that's a lot of things for something to be. I guess. I almost said the drinking podcast with a book. So I felt <laughs> like I nailed it. But thanks for making me second guess myself, Brandy. <sighs> what are we going to talk about today? So many things. So many things. Like the fact that it's Halloween. Oh my gosh. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Have you been haunted this year yet? Oh my God. I feel like I'm always being haunted because every time I have a glass of red wine in my hand, someone comes around and knocks it over. It's the weirdest thing. It's you. It's not me. I'm being haunted. What about you? Have you been haunted this year? My whole life is just me being haunted. It is just the haunting. Haunted by memories of my past mistakes. Okay, well, happy Halloween! (laughs) (laughs) I can't stop doing that woo sound without this, like, weird gesture like I'm having. I'm the only one that's seeing the weird gesture, but it is a full-on slow-motion seizure, so... (laughs) Yeah, I let that haunt all of your dreams. Oh my goodness. So Brandy, what are we talking about in today's episode? Today we are going over Witches of Eastwick Part 2. We've actually read the book this week. Week 2, reading the book. We read the book. We read the book, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm really proud of myself for reading the book. Oh my. However... Mm-hmm. I'm glad I had a drink to get through it. Oh my goodness. What are we drinking today to okay. get through this book? So on theme, because this book is set in a port town, mm-hmm. we decided to pair it with a port wine. Uh, I see what you did there. But Very of- <laughs> literal interpretation of the text. Well, mostly I had these really cute Halloween themed cups. They are really cute. I am loving the look of them. It's it- too bad someone's going to haunt me and come knock it over soon. It's true. And I just felt like there had to be something that I could put in them that was book themed and port seemed like a logical choice. So we're actually drinking a tawny port because that's what I have. There are multiple different kinds of ports. You can have a ruby port or a tawny port. What's the difference? Um, They're all made with red grapes. They're like a dessert type wine. They're usually semi-sweet and they taste like a liqueur mixed with a wine almost. Is that kind of what you're getting? But like Uh, syrupy? I was going to say it's almost like... A really thick, sweet, molassesy wine. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it tastes like a like a whiskey wine, but sweet kind of. Yeah. They're um, yeah, they're originally from Portugal, so they're fortified fortified wines actually. And as far as I understand, that actually means that it's a wine that's part liqueur. Okay. So it's not straight wine. Which means that this will get you super blackout drunk. I'm going to get lit. Oh, yeah. You're going to get super duper lit. I was turned on to ports when I was working at an Italian restaurant like years ago. And um, mostly because it was like something like kind of sweet you could drink. And I was young and liked sweet stuff. But I've also found that it's really good for after a meal. Or, to like help you digest or just as a dessert? No, it's kind of like in lieu of a dessert. I don't have a huge you sweet You mean alongside tooth. a dessert? Well, I don't really have a big sweet tooth. But yeah, I mean, it's a dessert wine. Like you have it as a dessert. 
So I would just like to point out that Brandy is talking about her lack of sweet tooth. And she came over to my house with like five candy bars. Yeah. And a box of cupcakes. I was trying to be a good <laughs> guest. Also, I needed to go see if my lottery tickets won and they didn't. They didn't. So therefore, we're still here. But anyways, thanks for all the sweets because I feel like it pairs really well with my glass of port. That was what I was going for. I was trying. So um, the ports were originally from Portugal. They are called Oportos or Porto or... God, I'm going to butcher this. Vino de Porto, something like that. And... They actually are now made pretty much anywhere where wine is made. So they'll make them in, you know, Australia, France, Argentina, Spain, whatever. But Portugal's the hometown of port. Also, I've always wanted to go to the Azores and have some port there. I hear they have really good port in the Azores. I don't even know what the Azores is. Yeah, it's like this like little island group out like off the coast of Portugal. It's like... Catalina is to Los Angeles as gotcha. the Azores are to Portugal, but they look so stunning and beautiful. I, well, we should go there and record from whatever the <laughs> name of that place was. It could Azores? also be called Azores. Okay. I well, don't 100% know. Let us know where we should drink port next. Yeah, it's super delicious. Um. Anyway, I don't think I'm going to be able to drink port for this entire podcast because it's a little too sweet. Challenge accepted. I feel like he just burned everyone's ears out. Well, just like people used to burn witches. So very on theme. (laughs) (laughs) And just like I would very much so like to burn this book. Yeah. Not that I'm about book burning because if you don't like a book or you don't like the ideas in it, you should just say, hey, this one wasn't for me. But for the first time, I wanted to burn a book after finishing it. I did feel like... My eyeballs were seared by some of the imagery. Did you read it? Because that's... I I guess my earballs, because I listened to this. So you did the audiobook. I read the book book. So I would be interested to see how our experiences compared. Because, yeah, my poor virgin eyes will never be the same again after some of the things I've read and seen. Well, the book is, uh, the audiobook is narrated. I don't have the name of the woman offhand, but she sounds like a mature woman. And I just felt like she had degraded herself to read this book. Because is it of a how... good audiobook narrator? It's a great audiobook narrator, but like the words she, she had to say were so <laughs> gross. So gross. So should we like, I don't know where we should start this because what I want to start with was this was a repugnant nasty nasty book so i would just yeah i say let's start with the fact i think within the first couple of pages so they anytime they talk about i was going to say sex but it doesn't even have to be about sex at one point yeah like the one of the main characters alexandra lexa if you will is like making this marinara sauce and it goes off on this gross tangent about how these tomatoes are like these like plump testicles and the marinara is like her menstrual whatever i mean there's so so many things i'm trying to hold back because it's so disgusting but 
remember we talked about oh my god there's gonna be so much sex in this it's going to be so steamy it was anti-sexy it was so anti-sexy and we should have known because the book jacket description had the word fecund in it yeah and i feel like it was only downhill from there it got way grosser well i think this circles back to this being a book about women's sexuality written by a dude like it it is not done well it is not that, well, like, they spend, the women in this book spend so much time talking about sex and, like, talking about how men look naked and how women look naked, and it just was not sexy. It was really gross. Like, they were talking about, like, like their, like, long, lush, languid pubes. Yes. And how they were, like, stringy and, like, I mean, it was... It was not sexy. It wasn't like, even like in books in the, the 70s where they talk about bush and they're like, it was like a full like bush yeah. and you're like, they're, that's hot. They're this into was like, it. No, this was like, and they had like stringy long pubes and you're like, ew, ew, ew. Yeah. Don't like, I just am imagining an old mop draped over a unpeeled <laughs> banana. I will say so. Obviously part of the book was about, you know, these aging women and they're still sexual beings, but I really was expecting it to be more empowering oh, or I was anti-empowered. sultry. Yeah, no, it just really, again, I was just thinking like, okay, this man who just thinks like now women are never attractive again. I don't know. Maybe he was trying to poke fun at that kind of notion, but just reading it was disturbing. I didn't enjoy it at all. I can't tell you how many times... So I read this a lot while I was on the train going to and from work. Yeah, you had to see people in public. Oh my god, I the looks on my face, people must have thought I was on the verge of puking because I was so many times. And I can't tell you how many times I texted Brandy while we were reading this and said like, why did you do this to me? It was so atrocious. This was not the Halloween dream I was imagining. Also, not really Halloween-y at all. Like, no. So, okay, so we've talked about the fact that it was pretty gross. We've talked about the fact that the language itself, very descriptive. I guess the one good thing I could say for John Updike's writing is he sure paints a picture. It's just... Yeah. It ain't a pretty picture. No. And it, if you came into this thinking that... You'd have a good bedside companion. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. No. No way. There's no time that it's appropriate to read this book unless you're, mm-hmm. like, feeling nauseated and you want to vomit. Yeah, and then you're like, I just need something that's going to help me get this, you know, get this vomit out of my system. Also, there was this one particular topic that he mentioned on multiple occasions, and it was how the women were describing how they just really wanted the dude's cold cum. And I just, I mean, the thought of that is repulsive, but also like it doesn't make any sense. No. Like no fluid that comes out of anyone's body, not even your boogers are cold. Well, unless you're dead. Exactly. Or if they are, you should go to a doctor. And like, why, why was that his hot, like that was what he was talking about when he talked about like sexy stuff. And I just, so it could have, I, there were so many parts in this book where I'm like, okay, so this is obviously meant to be like satirical, right? Did you think so? I don't know, because I I would just hate it so much, and then I would think, so what am I missing? Because everyone must hate this so much. 
I don't know. I will say I didn't spend that much time with it. When I would read things that didn't make sense, I was like, shrug, on to the next page. Am I done yet? I definitely (laughs) employed this old tactic that I used to use in high school where if I didn't like a book but I had to read it because I knew I was going to be tested on it, I knew I was going to be tested on whether or not I read it today, I would hold my breath at the beginning of the page and tell myself, you cannot breathe until you are at the end of this page. So I started doing that for this book. And it's amazing how quickly you get through it. But having said that, there wasn't that much oxygen flowing to my brain. So I might have missed some stuff. Also, yeah. I might have lost some brain cells. So if I start bumping into walls, just please correct me. Well, there were parts of this book that I did like. Once you kind of got past the... The cold come. You... I won't say I liked it, but I found it, like, interesting enough that it kept my attention. And it was kind of the dynamic. So, Jane, Suki, and Alexandra... They call her, like, Lexa, usually, don't they? Yeah, yeah, Lexa. Um, They all basically are kind of seduced by um, Van Horn, who is the Jack Nicholson character in the movie. So, just picture him that way. I was picturing them as such the whole time. Yeah, which also they keep saying, like, Lexa is supposed to be, like, this BB-dub, big, beautiful woman. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, not really the case with Cher, but sure. Yeah, exactly. They, like, yeah, exactly. It was it was strange. But, you know, that's Hollywood for you. They just ruin everything. They ruin everything. Um. Anyway, so they're supposed to be seduced by Van Horn. And he is some sort of kind of, I don't know. In the movie, he's the devil in the book, not so much. He's just, like, some kind of thing that has power and, like, manipulates these women into basically falling in love with him and, like, being obsessed with him. Yeah, like, he just kind of comes in and shakes things up. They're super bored. Yeah. They are honestly seemingly kind of happy. They, they have their so little content. coven. Yeah, they're having a great time. And then he shows up and just kind of starts shitting all over everything in the town. Yeah, Kind of Ignatius Riley style. Totes. Where he's just like, this isn't good enough. This is weird. Like, just kind of, you know, shit disturbing left and right. And then starts, like, one by one inviting them over to his pad. And is Which like... Is dope. Apparently. It's like a dope pad. And so they're all excited about it. And they get to, like, hang out in this party pad. But then they realize they're all, like, doing the same dude. And each other. And it, like, makes their of. relationship weird. I know. There is some, like, sexy stuff between them. There's well, that like, hot tub. That, yeah. Like, that's, like, at every party they have. So it takes some time to build up to it. But basically, they'll go over. They'll play some tennis. They'll eat some delicious tapas. Yeah. And then they'll all get in the bath together and just kind of get on this massage train and just feel each other from top to bottom. Yeah. While... Daryl will come in and out of the room just doing weird stuff and then occasionally penetrating them. Yeah. And it apparently feels terrible. Yeah. And like there's lots of talk of like floating boobs and wieners in the hot tub. But so can I tell you something? So the book and the movie are very different in this way. There aren't floating boobs and wieners in the movie? Not explicitly. But well maybe we can talk about how the movie and the book are different a little bit later because... I feel like we got to build up to the ending of the book, which is super okay. different. But so I was talking about the part of the book that I liked was the dynamic where, you know, they're all having affairs with like a bunch of people and then one of them dies and 
his one daughter. One of the, the man that she's yeah, having sorry, an affair with. The man that she's having an affair with dies, but he like kills himself. Well, yeah. So he murdered his wife. Yeah, he murders his wife. And then kills himself. And then himself. kills himself. And his daughter comes to town. His daughter and his son come to town to like pick up the remains. And then his daughter ends up being friends with the coven people, which is like really weird. I can't imagine being like, oh, you're my like father's mistress, like BFF time. But she does. And then she like swoops in, or doesn't swoop in. Van Horn like swoops her up and they end up having a thing. And then the witches like all bond together and like basically kill this person. Well, so not that I'm going to defend the witches, but yeah. So this (laughs) young lass, Jenny, shows up. The witches kind of bring her in the fold because they, well, at least one of them, Suki, feels guilty about, you know, screwing her dad and then screwing her entire life up because of all the death that occurred. So she brings her in and then this girl just ends up marrying Daryl Van Horn and all of the women were like, no, we love sharing this guy, but secretly they all kind of thought they were going to end up with him. So basically it was another Snow White and, you know, the witch scenario where they're like, who is this young buck that came in and stole all our thunder? We were just trying to give her to somewhere to hang out and she got too big for her britches. So having said that was the appropriate and commensurate reaction to give her cancer so she would die? No. Probably not. No, it was horrible. It was horrible. But I felt like that part of it was so like, uh, I don't know the right word for it. It was just like such a horrible example of what people do when they're jealous. Yeah. That it was, I couldn't stop like watching it and trying to figure out what was going to happen because they basically make this like voodoo doll of her and just give it cancer and she ends up like dying this slow terrible death and it's horrible but it's it's all because they were jealous and like jealous over something that they never had it wasn't as if or even wanted yeah it was just so petty and honestly that was something that bothered me the whole book because I was expecting it to be like oh these women that have kind of you know, banded together in the face of expectations. I think we mentioned in our first episode, this takes place in the 60s. So these are women who are all divorced and they're living as single women and they are having affairs with married men. So they're definitely living lives that are outside of the kind of cookie cutter nuclear family norm. Mm -hmm. And I thought they were going to be like, we're independent women. Yeah, we don't need men. Yeah. But actually, like, this man came to town and totally disrupted their friendships, totally made them act out against each other, made them, like, act horribly to everyone in the town, where they would just curse people over the stupidest stuff just because someone made, like, an errantly rude comment to them. Yeah, totally. Uh, they like, were so unlikable. They were. They ended up being really unlikable. We love witches, and we did not like them. No. Well, because I feel like, I mean, they were made to be such one-dimensional versions of women. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like they were all jealous and catty and, like, undermining each other and just fit into their own stereotype of, like, you're one thing or then you're, like, a sexy minx and those are the only things you can be. And when you don't get to be the sexy minx, you're, like jealous and petty yeah it's one or the other as someone who can be jealous and petty i don't not relate but are you only jealous or petty or a sexy minx i feel like when i'm a sexy minx i can be very jealous and petty exactly at the same time i can be it all you can do all the things at one time because you're 
you know, not a one-dimensional object. No, I'm not. I am... I'm in 3D. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe that's just my bra size. Wink. (laughs) That's not a size. Whatever. You don't know me. (laughs) Get your cold cum away from me, man. Oh, my God. That was disgusting. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I mean, I feel like this book is actually... I mean... It's intended to be a feminist book, isn't it? That's what I thought when we had researched it. But now I feel like it's the anti-feminist book. Yeah, I agree. I thought that the way that the women were written was so misogynistic. They are so petty. They are so fixated on their appearance. They are, like, empowered sexually, but not in a way that feels like progress. It's just... It's all very selfish. They also, they have kids who they just completely neglect and are so burdened by, which sure, like I'm down to be, you know, not feel all ooey and gooey about the things that usually women are supposed to feel Feel a certain way about. (laughs) You know, I think the word was mushy. I almost said mushy and gushy and that sounded gross. So I said ooey and gooey. I stand by it. I just feel like, whatever, normally that wouldn't bother me, but, like, they just couldn't be bothered. There were times where they're, like, having orgies in the hot tub, and they're, like, one of them would say, oh, I actually have to go check on my kids, because, like, they're not of the age that they can feed themselves. And the other one would be, like, check on my kids, too. I can't possibly leave. Yeah. I feel like they had, they they just were full smutty coven, Mm -hmm. but not in a way that seemed authentic at all not authentic at all and also their friendships did not seem real to me at no, all they I, didn't even like each other they just like talked crap about each other behind each other's backs yeah and like it was weird because then they'd talk to each other and they'd be so oh honey oh sweetie and all these pet names and stuff but they never seemed to really get along I never really understood why they were friends with each other other than the fact that they were all outsiders but yeah I did not consider this to be a feminist novel at all I definitely considered it to be another example of just a man totally misunderstanding women but again that's why I thought at the end I must have missed something he must have been trying to make it like this is I don't know benefit of the doubt here because I hated this book so much I was hoping maybe he was trying to set this up as this is the way everyone perceives feminism where it's like, this is how feminists are seen as being selfish and being like one dimensional and man hating and jealous and petty and just, you know, so focused on themselves and so catty and evil and all negative things. But I don't know what the point of well, it I was. was then. Say, so like, I mean, if you're trying to pitch it as a social commentary, I think there needs to be some sort of, I don't know, like... Come-uppance or something? Well, no, but, I mean, there has to be some sort of reasoning or some sort of something to make you think that it's an allegory or that it's a social commentary, but it seems like it's not meant to be ironic in any way. What do you think the point of it was? And I ask that not in a condescending way, but in a I-don't-know-what-the-frickin'-point-of-this-book-was way, way, and I'm hoping you can tell me. I mean, I don't think that there really was a point to it. I was thinking the same thing. Like, who is the intended audience for this book? And I genuinely think, like, he wrote this book with the intention of it being a book for women. But I feel like this book appeals to, like, the incels. 
Mm. Because I feel like this book appeals to men who dislike women or who think that, like, women are intentionally out to get them or... You know what I mean? Yeah, I... It just... Or, yeah, and... It feeds into the stereotype without being ironic at all. Yeah, I didn't think... I Like I said, I was kind of hoping at the end, like, oh, maybe I missed something. But the book just kind of ends with, okay, they, you know, cause this innocent woman, girl, whatever you want to call her, to die of cancer because they were jealous. And then at a certain point, they're like... Yeah, I don't know. I guess we kind of overreacted, but, like, whatever. Like, don't get really bothered by it. This woman dies. They kind of move on with their lives. They stop being friends with each other. They Mm -hmm. don't really have that much in common. Daryl Van Horn leaves, runs off with his, you know, dead wife's brother because apparently he was having this relationship with him all along that we didn't know about. And so, yeah... I don't really know what the point of any of that was. I think that the point of the book was probably some sort of social commentary, not on women, but, like, on, like, the sexual revolution, kind of, because it seemed like that was kind of the point of the book. Like, it was all about sex that was kind of taboo, and, um, like, homosexuality was in it a lot, lesbianism was in it, you know, kind of multi-partner sex. You know, it talked about, like, you know, people, older people having sex, like people who are not traditionally sexy having sex, all of those kinds of things, I think were part of the point of the book, but it was just so poorly executed. So poorly executed. I don't think it, I mean, I think there's plenty of stories of like older people and older people having sex and it being sexy or like, you know, non-traditional, what you would think of as traditional sex being like, sexy and interesting and, like, all those things. But, like, this book delivered none of that. None of that. And it didn't seem like it was trying to be steamy. It just was, like, let me say the grossest thing for shock value that I can think of. So it didn't feel like they were trying to normalize these kind of crazy sex acts in any way. I just, again, I don't know what the point was other than to gross me out. And... I was expecting a lot more witchiness. Yeah. This book is a lie. <laughs> There's like... The witches, they're not even witches. It, it should just be like the three women who lived in Rhode Island. Yeah. Like, I mean, they do a little bit of witchiness. Do they have a Real Housewives of Rhode Island? Not yet. Can you have a Real Housewives of like a state? I mean... Rhode Island seems small enough that you could do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you would even find enough people in Rhode Island to do a Real Housewives of Rhode Island, but, I mean, if you got these witches in there, and I'm using sarcastic quotation marks when I say witches, then I guess you'd have a season, and then nothing thereafter, because how do you follow this up? Except, actually, I think John Updike wrote a sequel to Witches of Eastwick. It's called Widows of Eastwick, which we are not going to read. No, we're not going to read. But that kind of brings me back to something that I may or may not have missed in the beginning of the book. And that was, is, they did they all kill their husbands? I remember vaguely reading about, or hearing when I was listening to the book, them talking about one of their husbands is now a placemat. Yeah, I'm glad you asked because I actually reread that page because I had the same question. 
where it seemed like all of their husbands were now just inanimate objects in their house. Yeah, but I thought that was actually just supposed to be, you know, a metaphor for the fact that they were now of no use to them and they were like I my understanding was not that they had died but that they were just divorced. Really? But, yeah, but I like I said, my I was holding my breath. Was that they had all like <laughs> witchy crafted them into like inanimate objects? I mean, I hope so. That would be a better... But it was such a poor description of that that I had no idea what actually happened. Well, and that was about the time they started to use really descriptive, unsexy adjectives. So I was just... I was going the other way. I was not looking back. I'll never look at marinara the same way again. Oh my God, don't do that to marinara sauce. It's delicious. Well... It deserves better than this book. Yeah. So the book and the movie really deviated a lot and I know you didn't see the movie but to start off with the casting was strange choices because I imagined the women as being like significantly older than what they cast them in in the movie also like you said um was it Lexi or Lexa was supposed to be like a full woman yeah I mean she talks constantly about like her discomfort with her body because she's you know, considers herself to be so overweight. Yeah. But then, you know, people are like, oh, no, you're voluptuous, beautiful body. And then it's, you know, Cher, who is none of that. No, I mean, Cher is, like, very svelte. And so yeah. it was a strange casting choice to make Cher that person. Well, it's funny, too, because I remember reading something, and this was a while ago, but where Cher had basically said, Jack Nicholson had tried to like protest her being in the movie because he said she wasn't attractive enough to play that character. Are you kidding? No, which I mean, what a jerk. But also, I reading the book, I'm like, yeah, so they don't, I mean, they do mention like she has the most beautiful face, which is something that, you know, as a fellow BB dub, I can tell you fat women love to be told that they have a beautiful oh face. But yeah, they say that a lot. But then, you know, her body type is very controversial. And one of the men she has sex with is like, my sweet little cow, I love your body. And I'm like, could you imagine being in bed with someone and them being like, I just love these udders over here. I hate that person. (laughs) I hate this book so much. Yeah, I mean, the casting choice was just bizarre because I think that part of like her character and the reason that she's like has... The, the personality that she's supposed to have is because she like feels like embittered and doesn't feel beautiful but Cher's character very much feels beautiful and empowered in a totally different way mm-hmm. and it's just a strange casting choice also they're so much younger like they're so in much the younger in the movie and then they all have this like she's all that moment where they like walk down the stairs and take off their glasses and they're all of a sudden like smoking Babes. hot and you're like really because you had glasses on like, I'm, I'm looking at also, you in your glasses, I know, and I feel like you're taking person. it personally. I do take it personally because I feel like people with glasses can also be attractive. They can. I feel like glasses are very in right now. They are, but I mean, I need them to see, so that's beyond yeah. the point. <laughs> you're like, I need them to see how attractive I look. I know, but yeah. So, so in the movie, other than the casting choices being bizarre, the only casting choice that I could get behind was Jack Nicholson because I felt like he was a putrid character and he acted that out well yeah i could see it's funny because i didn't watch the movie and 
this kind of brings us back to how we talked about I always say I like to read the book first. But since I read the book, I was like, I have no desire to relive this as a movie. I'm not doing it. So I didn't, but I pictured all of the characters as the actors yeah. because I knew who played who. Yeah. Um, and I definitely thought Jack Nicholson was perfect casting yeah. for this creepy man. But so in the movie, things turn out very differently. So, so what is different in the movie? So Jenny doesn't exist in the movie. The oh, really? Yeah, which is really weird because that's such, such a huge plot. That's point. like how the book. That's I like know. The, it's like that's half like of the, the book. I was going to say that's like the climax of the book is them deciding to kill her. Yeah. So that doesn't happen. So basically, what happens in the in the movie version is that Jane, Suki, and Lexa are all basically having these like affairs with Jack Nicholson's Van Horn character. And they start kind of not liking him so much or realizing that he's like kind of weird and possessive. So they all start going home basically. And Jack Nicholson's character gets like really pissed off and is like, no, come back to my house. I still love you. I want you back to all three of them. And they're all like, no, like, this is we're getting over creepy. It. Basically, we're over it. So basically, like, what should have happened in the book. Yes, but then things start getting really weird, and so they, like, devise some plot to, like, kind of get him out because they're starting to realize that he's this devil character. Oh, no, what happens? They all realize they're pregnant. They're all pregnant. Oh, gross. And... Those fecund women. I know. So they're all pregnant, and... um. Something happens to, like, Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, he, like, she gets all messed up. And so they all go back to his house to try and, like, get back at him. And they make that little voodoo doll of him instead of... Not of Jenny. Not of Jenny. In the movie they make... Or in the book they make it of Jenny. But in the movie they make it of Van Horn. And they basically do all the things they did to Jenny but to Van Horn. And they try to kill him that way through this thing. And so they end up kind of... I guess, you know, exercising, like, Mm -hmm. exorcist exercising his, like, demon personality, whatever. And then he's gone. They all have babies. All of their babies have, like, the same color hair that they do. So, like, Shira's baby has black hair and Susan's has red hair. I know. And then Jack Nicholson's character, they all move into the mansion. They live in the mansion, like, just the three of them. And then Jack Nicholson's character, like, lives in the TV. So Van yeah. Horn lives in the TV and, like, tries to get the babies to come hang out with him in front of the TV. And that's, that's the movie. Can I just say that briefly reminds me of... Did you ever watch those Olsen twin movies where Double Double Boil and oh, Trouble? Of course. So I just remember at one point, like, the grandma or something, someone was caught in a mirror. And that's what that made me think of. And I feel like that movie was a lot better than what you're describing because that sounds awful. Yeah, it was not good. I don't recommend it. Although I will say, so, again, didn't watch the movie, but it sounds like they tried to actually make it a little bit more of the feminist you know, yeah, they manifesto did. that the book was not well, because they tried to have them, you know, turn on him and decide they didn't yes. need him and that he was ruining their lives. Where in the book, they're like this young, beautiful woman that came and stole our man's yeah. is the problem and we just need him. I and know. then he ran away from them 
with another man. Yeah. And it was just, like, the ultimate diss to them. It was just the worst book. Well, and it's really strange because I feel like this book must be popular because they've done so many remakes and movies and stuff like that of it. There was multiple TV shows they tried to make out of this, and they've all kind of fizzled or failed. Shocker. But I do know people that love the movie. Really? Yeah. I When I told Why a couple people, people... That's a great question. When I told a few people that I was reading this book, they said, oh, I've never read it, but I saw the movie and I really liked it. And I thought, oh, I mean, okay. Maybe just being nice. Maybe. But I feel like if, if you ever see someone reading a book that you know is terrible, I feel like you owe it to them to say, how far are you through the book? And if they say they're pretty far, then you can say, are you liking it? And if they say, yeah... Keep your opinion to yourself. But if they're just starting it, be like, save yourself the time. Or just grab it and set it on fire so they can't read it. Save them. What about the library books? Well, I mean, save anyone who might accidentally check it out from the library. I know, you should just put a post in the book in the library. That's what they should do in the library. Like, on the front covers, they should have, like, people give their star rating of how good they thought the book was. Oh my like, god, they should. Goodreads, but... Well, and like, yeah, so when I worked at a blockbuster type establishment when I was younger, they would have like, you'd put out your, like your recommendations and you'd say like how good a movie was. Did you just put out Titanic every week? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't always because sometimes it was checked out. I had to think outside the box. But actually now that I'm thinking about it, most of my local libraries have a like, staff selection section and there's certain people that I'm like Kathy oh my god Kathy gets it like Kathy and I have the same taste that's the best when you can find somebody who has the same taste as you Carol oh my god don't ever trust Carol Carol likes this book Carol probably picked this as one of her favorite books but yeah I do like seeing the people that like the same books as you this is not a book that I like yeah, and I, I just and that is a nice way of putting apologize it. Apologize to the people of the podcast, our smutty coven out oh there. Oh my god, this was not what I wanted to give you, and I apologize. But you I'll know, give you something good next time I get to pick a book. Yeah, let's just say so far I'm better at picking them because no matter what rating we give this, we're going to like this less than a Confederacy of Dunces. I would guess. I think so. Um, you think so? I, I no, mean, no, no, no. I definitely, I don't give this as high rating as Confederacy of Dunces. I also feel like we have some reader reviews for this. I haven't actually read them, but I have one to read. Okay. And I don't want to like shit on their parade if they liked this book. I do. I actually really genuinely want to hear from people who like this book. Also, if you didn't, either way, reach out. But I really want to know what I missed. Because like I mentioned, I was holding my breath for much of it. So, you know, when I passed out, maybe I missed the best parts. So if you liked it, tell us why, you know, no judgment here. We can barely read. But I hated this book so much. And I'm trying to think if I've ever hated a book more than I hated this one. It might be my least favorite book that I've ever read. But to be fair, most books that I really, really hate, I stopped reading. Where this one, I was like, I gotta finish it because it's part of the book club and what if I'm missing something? So I read it to the bitter end and it was bitter indeed. Well, we have some reader reviews from folks that actually finished it. Okay, well let's hear what they had to say. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do your review first? 
Sure. So this one comes from Stephanie from Eugene, Oregon. Stephanie says, not really sure how I feel about Witches of Eastwick. I usually like John Updike's books, and there's lots of elements here that I'm into. Lead female characters, witches, and New England in all its seasonal glory. But it was really long-winded and took way too long to read. So many tangents. Sure, the characters are flawed, much like in all of his books, but I don't have a problem with that. What I did have an issue with was the way this was written as some kind of male fantasy. Tons of talk about orgies and lesbian sex that don't make any sense to the characters. And then, of course, they all get paired up with a man at the end. John Updike probably should have stuck to writing fiction from the male point of view. This book was okay at best, but utterly unbelievable. Fair enough. That sounds about right. That sounds about right, except she's not sure how to feel about it, and I can tell you, you should feel terrible about it. But what what do other people have to say? My review is from, I think, the Irish name Siobhan. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. How do you spell this person's name in case we're... S-E-O-B-A-H-N. From Columbus, Ohio. Oh my god. Which we insulted in episode one, so this is going to be great. Oh my god, I appreciate the fact that this person's listening. I know. Okay, so Siobhan says, first of all, um, she says, first of all, you two are just as weird as me and my friends. What? So, yeah, I think someone's a little salty about Columbus, Ohio comments. (laughs) She said, you'd fit in in... In parentheses, non-average Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Secondly, I hate you for making me read this book. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, this is going great. While Updike does write incredible prose, he used his power for evil. Gross evil. I had a hard time reading this after eating, and it most definitely did not make me want a hot hot dog. (laughs) Okay, well, then we are all know the... Same. Yeah. (laughs) The female characters were such stereotypes of feminists, and they also were all sleeping with married men. Like, WTF? (laughs) Witches are a sisterhood, and that is not what sisters do. Anyway, I hope you pick a better book next time. Thanks for the fun cast. Thank you, Siobhan. Sorry we let you down. I'm sorry that you don't want a hot dog. I know. If If a book doesn't make you want a hot dog, is it even worth reading? Yeah, go ahead and reread A Confederacy of Dunces. You'll want to get your hot dog on. Get your dog on. Yeah. So, man, I feel feel like like people didn't hate it as much as us. I mean, Siobhan did, but not as much as we did. Well, I hated it the most. I, I don't think like anyone's ever hated this book as much as I hated it. You probably it. hated it so much cuz I think it also like falls into your hypochondria tendencies when she like gets uh, cancer and is like what's happening? Because like they couldn't just kill this woman. They had to kill her in the most cruel way possible. So, yeah, first of all, Lexa should know better cuz the whole book she's like I just am like you know, mildly afraid that I'm dying of cancer all the time. I don't know. My ovary just kind of hurts. And she's always talking to her friends about it. And her friends are just sitting there like, yeah, we're trying to be supportive. But like, no one gets what you're so upset about. And I was like, Lexa, I get you. I know that feel. I know that feel. You're probably dying of cancer. And me too. And then Jenny, this 
young gal is like, hey, I think I have this lump and I'm worried about it. And they're like, you're worried about it? We're going to prey on your fear and give you real time cancer. And I was horrified. Reading that, I thought you would be horrified. Yeah, I'm like, way to make someone's worst fears come true. I know, it's terrible. Like, just, ugh. I'm so upset just thinking about well, it. Well, we don't have to They talk didn't about even this give us anymore. a trigger warning. We should have given our readers a trigger warning. If you have hypochondria, this is not the book for you. Do you feel like you've said enough? No. <laughs> I feel like I want to tell you how much I hated this book, which was if we're giving okay, it a fine. star rating. Star rating. I don't even know that I would give it a full star. I would give it like a half of a star and then I would flip that half like at a 90 degree angle so it looks like I'm giving you a middle finger. That's bold. Okay. And it, yeah, that's how I feel. How many stars would you give it? I would give it like a solid one star. Oh, a whole star. I would give it a whole star. I mean, I feel like I was able to finish it. I didn't like the story. The writing style was gross, but he was able to paint a picture which I could appreciate. But yeah, I mean... There wasn't a lot that I could say that was redeeming about this book. Okay, well, but we get to read another book now. Yeah, the best thing about it is that we're done, and we're I'm so excited. Done. What are we gonna read next? Um, so next week we're gonna switch it up a little bit. It's about time. No more Johns. No more 1960s. And we are going to be reading a book called A Place for Us. Ooh. By Fatima Marine Mirza, and it's supposed to be really good it's more modern it's written by a young woman so that's right yeah so if you want to read along with us um a place for us fatima marine mirza marheen i think marine something like that mirza and we are going to get started next week we're also launching the podcast on anchor so um anchor is an app that does podcast hosting but the cool thing about it is that if you're listening on the Anchor app, you can actually record a voice memo for us. So instead of us reading emails, we might actually play one of your voice memos on the air. So um, start reading the book. Give us a little review of the book, not of us. We, Like we said, can't take ne- negative criticism. But... Yeah, I mean, Shabon's was already a little too close for comfort. I, I felt slightly trolled, but fair enough. We made you read this book. I accept it. All right, so I'm excited to see you guys next week. I'm excited to to talk talk at you next week. (laughs) I hope you're out there. I hope there's someone. I hope it's not just you, me, Monet, Siobhan, and really yours. You already forgot her name. Stephanie in Eugene, Oregon. Poor Stephanie. Stephanie, please tell your friends about us so that we can. Expand our smutty coven. Yes. Hashtag smutty coven. All right. Well, I'm lit. I'm lit. All right. Time to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Too lit. Must quit. Happy Halloween. Woo!